We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Excited to have you guys along for an awesome episode of the pod today. Uh, We're just uh, a couple days away now from number 13 Oregon against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So this is our official preview episode. We're going to be previewing and predicting this week's Oregon game, but I'm not rolling solo. I am so stoked to be joined by Jarrett Ramirez of Red Raiders Sports, part of the Rivals Network out there in Lubbock. How we doing, man? Thanks for being here. I'm doing good, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, everybody here is really excited for this game on Saturday, and I've been really excited to talk about this. So I'm ready, man. Right on, right on. Well, awesome stuff. Um, we're coming to you guys live on a couple of different spots. We're coming to you live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus and Twitter at M Taurus Sports, as well as the Ducks Digest Facebook page. So hopefully we're able to find you guys in, in one of those ways. If you are here in the live chat, go ahead and let us know how you're feeling about Oregon's week two game against Texas Tech. And while you're at it, throw us a question in the live chat and Jarrett and I will do our very best to answer it. Uh, Mailbag probably coming in the latter half of today's show. Don't see us going more than an hour, but just a couple of housekeeping notes. So starting things off, Jarrett. Man, what a wild week one it was for the Texas Tech Red Raiders going on the road out to Laramie, and uh, they ended up losing a wild game, 35-33 to the Wyoming Cowboys. Just give me some of your thoughts on that one. Uh, You know, going into that game, I think anybody who had been really kind of paying attention to Tech would have understood, like, going into Laramie and winning wasn't a guarantee Um, it wasn't a walk in the park. It wasn't going to be a, you know, you just go in there and take care of business and you're done. Um, think kind of the, uh, you know, they played it up to be the altitude and, you know, Wyoming had this, uh, power five win against Missouri a few years ago. And so, you know, anybody who had been kind of paying attention knew it wasn't going to be easy. Um, they go and they start off really hot. Those first 11 minutes of the game, I would have honestly thought tech was going to go on and win by 40. Um, that's just kind of how the game opened up. And then as it slowly progressed, 
Uh, Wyoming got into their rhythm, and as they got into rhythm, Tech was just completely out of sync offensively. Um, defensively, they had a couple injuries that really affected them. And it was just a really interesting game from the Tech perspective just because they weren't – I mean, numbers-wise, they played a pretty, fa- a pretty fine game. Um, Tyler Shuck threw for like 340 yards. I think they had – you know, I think uh, the middle linebacker, Josiah Pierre, had a really good night, but they just were not able to get any rhythm going offensively after those first 11 minutes of the game. And that just trickled on. And that's kind of ultimately what led to their downfall. Yeah, I was watching that game and and I was kind of along the same thoughts of you. I thought Texas Tech was going to kind of run away with that one. Uh, they got out to a, a nice little lead early on in that one. Tyler Shuck was looking good. Um, and then things kind of started to get a little bit uh a little bit antsy. You had a couple penalties here and there um, that that I think kind of opened the door or maybe kept the door open rather for the Cowboys uh, against um, a, a pretty solid Texas Tech team. But I mean, Wyoming just proved that you can't really take anybody lightly any week in college football. So that was a crazy game to to open up the the twenty three season. So that being said, Jarrett, I kind of wanted to just take our listeners, take our viewers. Take them out to Lubbock and in case they're not there yet. I know a lot of Oregon fans are going to be traveling, but man, what's the what's the mood of the fan base right now after just, I don't want to say heartbreaking, but that was a an emotional loss there out in uh, Laramie. Yeah, so I'd say probably from when they played the bowl game in December against Ole Miss to even the week of Wyoming. All of this conversation has been surrounded around the Oregon game. It's probably, in my opinion, the biggest non-conference home game in almost a decade. You had uh, you had Arkansas come in here in 2014. And that was a really hyped up, really big game. And that's, I mean, that's kind of been the big focus of the offseason was this Oregon game. Um, you've had the staff kind of trying to taper that down a little bit, staff and players just remaining focused on the Wyoming game. But now that that's kind of you know, that now that all that transpired, now they can really start to shift that focus to Oregon. Uh, just coming off of the way the Wyoming game happened, um, it's been a really weird environment here this past, you know, this past few days, just with um, talking to coaches and players alike. It's been a really mixed bag of you have a lot of people who are ready to give up on the year, which is, I mean, I think kind of crazy just going off of one game. And then you have some people who are still optimistic about the season. Um, obviously I think they can still contend for the big 12. I think they can still have a really good year. can still make a bowl game. It's just been a really mixed bag of kind of what you're going to get as far as the fans go. Um, as far as like fan expectation, because you just have some people who are completely done or some people, you know, calling for people's jobs and people's spots. And you have others who are a little bit more on the optimistic side, still just considering how the magnitude of this Oregon game is on Saturday. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's always funny, man. You have those people that are are ready to kind of write the season off after one game, which is just insane. I think it's more realistic to to kind of be in that crowd once we get into conference play. Um, but either way, just writing off a whole season after one game is pretty crazy. Uh, I'll bet there's a couple people doing that in Clemson right now uh, after the the Tigers lost that game to Duke. Oh my lord. Um, but. You said you were talking to uh, some of the coaches, some of the coordinators early on in this week, and we get to hear from Dan Landing twice a week on Monday night, and then today, today his media availability was only two and a half minutes. 
Uh, he's been so much more buttoned up, it feels like, in year two as the head coach in, in Eugene. I was listening to some of Joey McGuire's press conference earlier, and my God, that guy's an open book. You can ask him, you know, how many how many scoops of uh, sugar and cream he put in his coffee in the morning or something like that, something more personal. It seems like nothing's off the table with that guy. Just kind of give us a feel of what Joey McGuire is like as a head coach, you know, getting to be around him out there in Lubbock. Joey McGuire is a high energy guy, man. And that's something that you see just when you're watching him coach on the field, something you'll see on TV when they show him uh, something you definitely feel when you're around the guy um, just talking to him like a face-to-face setting or maybe sitting in a press conference or you're just listening to him talk wherever he speaks. Um, he's a higher high, high energy coach. Um, he just kind of radiates that. And that's kind of spread throughout the program. I think a lot of people really gravitate towards his personality um, it's what makes a lot of people and a lot of players really respect him as a coach. Uh, and kind of what you mentioned earlier, like he's really transparent about what they're doing in the program. Um, he's been really honest this week as far as they they understand what happened in Wyoming. Um, they understand what needs to be corrected and what needs to be fixed heading into this Oregon game. And yeah, I mean, he's just a super high energy guy. Um, he has the respect of a lot of people here in Lubbock. Um, it's not even just... Um, people involved in tech, it's the entire city. And people just love, people have really started to love Coach McGuire as a coach, and he's really won over a lot of people. Even after the kind of game that they had last week, um, you know, it's not really fair to kind of write the guy off in any means. I mean, he's just in his second year as a college head coach. He's a Texas high school coaching legend. And, you know, he's just, he's been, he's been a, a really favorable hire, I think. For sure. Yeah, I, I can definitely kind of get that vibe from watching him and just the little bit I've seen so far. Certainly has some big shoes to to kind of follow into, right? Uh, with some of the guys that have come through Lubbock and years past, uh, Mike Leach, um, Cliff Kingsbury uh, was there as well, right? I'm not I'm not totally having a brain fart, right? He was there. Um, yeah. and, and then, yeah, you have Patrick Mahomes, who was obviously there. So, I think Texas Tech and the, and the Red Raiders, they they kind of fly under the radar a little bit in the Lone Star State. And I think you can't really blame the the state for that. Anytime you got UT, you got AM, uh, TCU just went to the national championship. Uh, Dave Aranda and Baylor uh, are, are definitely generating some buzz even after losing that week one game to, to Texas State. But I think that if I'm... Joey McGuire and Tyler Shuck, you you kind of want to be flying under the radar and and maybe kind of uh, going low profile heading into this season because I think this is a, a really quality team that's going to give Oregon a good test. Yeah, and you know you kind of mentioned the flying under the radar thing a bit, and it kind of it kind of got mentioned a little bit in the off season that they were as a dark horse. They were so much of a dark horse that they were glowing. I is the kind of quote that I remember there. Um, just because there were so many people that were starting to hop on the train as you start to get to, you know, July and August and you get closer and closer to the season. I mean, they were picked fourth in the fourth in the uh, Big 12 preseason poll. And you just have a lot of people who are you have those expectations like, you know, I think they can really pick it up in year two under McGuire. Um, you know, you mentioned that flying under the radar thing a little bit. And it's just it's kind of how Texas Tech has been for a while as far as a football program. Um, they've just been really under the radar. Nobody's really been paying that close attention to Lubbock since, you know, before McGuire got here, um, a few years of maybe a little bit 
weaker football. But now that he is here, now that McGuire is in the in the coach's seat, I think you're starting to get some people starting to fixate eyes on Lubbock. I don't know. You know, they've kind of talked a little bit about handling those expectations, and I think that's still something they're kind of trying to work on. Uh, because, I mean, it is really early still. I mean, they haven't really had a whole, whole lot of success here recently, but the way they trended in year one is a good start. I think they're still kind of trying to learn how to handle success, um, especially with the the kind of games that they won last year, and they're just really trying to build on those. Yeah, some great great insight from, from Jarrett there. Texas Tech coming off of an 8-5 and five year in 2022. You end the season on a high note with a 42-25 win over Ole Miss in, in the bowl game. I got one more big picture question, Jarrett, and then we're going to hone in on some of the top storylines in this week's game against with Oregon and, and Texas Tech. I was watching those highlights of the Texas Tech-Wyoming game, and Texas, I could tell. I didn't even have to see it. I could tell Texas Tech tr- fans travel, and they travel well. And I know if, if, if my followers and listeners have anything to say, Oregon fans travel pretty well for themselves. So they're probably getting ready to head on their flights and, and head out to Lubbock to, to Jones AT&T Stadium. It's going to be a hot one. Forecasts are in the high 90s for Saturday. Just kind of give us a little bit of insight on what kind of an environment the Ducks should be expecting once they arrive in Lubbock at Jones AT&T. Uh, I'm, ex- I'm still expecting it to be a capacity crowd. It's been sold out for, I don't even know how long at this point, this has been, like I mentioned earlier, this is one of the highest anticipated games, um, to ever be played here in Lubbock. Honestly, um, it's just, just because of the kind of the profile that Oregon brings, um, the kind of the, uh, I guess the fame that they bring with them, the, the way the program has been in the, in the spotlight for so many years, this has been a game that a lot of people have taken note of. Cause I mean, it's been scheduled for, I don't even know how long um, it's been scheduled for a while. And so uh, what should the Oregon people or the, or the players be expecting What are you, what are you trying to, I mean, I, I guess both. I, I think that they're kind of going into similar deals, right? Like I was watching a live stream last night on uh, my guy, Ryan winter sports chat, five Oh three's uh, channel. And, and he had a Texas tech guy in there saying that, uh, they have the stadium uh, set up so that the uh, home side gets the shade first and then the away side gets the the shade, you know, last or second. Right. Um, so that, yeah, that was just kind of what I was asking of the, what environment, what kind of setting are the players and the fans going to be welcomed into when they arrive on Saturday? Well, as far as the players go, I think Texas tech is always going to bring one of the more hostile crowds in college football, college sports in general, because you see it not only, when they host games here at Jones ATT, but also when they uh, host basketball games or baseball games, it's going to be like any other college football game. You're going to have the away fans. They're going to be heckling you and they're going to be cheering against you. And obviously that's kind of to be expected. Um, it's going to be hot. I'm, you know, like you mentioned the forecasts, the high nineties, um, even into the hundreds. And like you said, it gets hot down there. Um, the away side does get the sun for most of the game. So that's going to be a bit tough. I don't know if that's been talked about at all, as far as how the players are going to handle the heat, because I know it's where you're at. I'm sure it's in the, what, like seventies, eighties sort of deal. Yeah, it's not too bad. I'm, I'm actually in Southern California, so it's, it's usually pretty nice, but I've been missing that Pacific Northwest weather. It's, it's not too bad either. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of shifting gears a little bit. to like, what should the fans expect? I think Lubbock is a good atmosphere to be in. I think it gets, it gets dogged on a little bit for being in the middle of nowhere, but 
I mean, when you actually get into Lubbock, it's a good atmosphere. I think it's a it's a big college town is the thing. It's everything is centered around Texas Tech. Um, they're going to know immediately when they get into the city what school this city supports. Um, there's great people that live here, though. I mean, there's really helpful people. There's a lot of good spots to eat at, which is the biggest thing. And then uh, the bar scene is also a really prominent prominent part of Lubbock, just being a huge college town. So, I mean, there are things to see and there, there are places to go. Um, I think the fans should honestly expect a pretty good experience when they come to Lubbock. Awesome. Love to hear that. So they're going to be going from uh, one college town to another in Eugene to, to Lubbock. So let's kind of start digging into to this game, Jared. Let's get into the heart of it. I think that whenever you're previewing a game, a great place to start is the quarterbacks. I think a lot of people that are listening to this on, on both fan sides, they probably know more about Bo Nix, I think, than Tyler Shuck. We all know that he played at Oregon. I covered him a bit when he was at Oregon. Didn't have a great career with the Ducks. Did lead them to a Pac-12 title in 2020, but he looks like a completely different quarterback when I'm watching him, at least even in that week one game against Wyoming. He's throwing guys open, throwing with anticipation, throwing with touch, showing off his ability to, to stay in the pocket and, and take a hit and just let that thing fly. So I kind of teed that one up for you a little bit. What, what can you tell me about Tyler Shuck and what you've seen with him since he's been rocking with the Red Raiders? So it's like you mentioned, I mean, he's a completely different quarterback than from whenever I started watching him play here, which was a couple of years ago. Um, he's really gotten a lot bigger, which is, I think, the biggest thing. Um, he's been injured so much, but he's put on so much muscle and it's really made him, I think, a lot more physical of a football player. Uh, he missed a lot of time last year, but when he came back, I think the biggest strength that he had, surprisingly coming off an injury, was how how adept he was at being in the running game. Uh, they used him a lot in the running game, and that really freed up kind of everything. That freed up the passing game, and the running game found a lot of success for him, too. He's not afraid of running the ball. Um, as far as passing goes, he's I mean, he stays in the pocket. He's really good within the hash marks. Uh, I think there's still a little bit of question as far as maybe his arm strength on like the like towards the sideline as, you know, balls like that. But he can throw a good deep ball. He can throw within the hash marks, and he's a really smart guy. He's a really He's a really smart, high IQ player. They give him praise for that all the time as a coaching staff. You'll hear it from McGuire. You'll hear it from Kidley. Um, he's in the facility all the time. He's always studying film. So he's going to be prepared is the thing. Mentally, uh, mentally he's going to be prepared for this game. And he's just a really high IQ player. Yeah, I think that the, the part of his game that doesn't get enough attention is his mobility. Um, I think back to some of the games that he played in when he was at Oregon. And, and he was kind of a sneaky runner. Um, but he's not a small guy, right? 6'5", 230, I want to say. Uh, so he's got some wheels, and that's something that Oregon's going to have to prepare for from a defensive standpoint. I think they did get tested in that regard in week one against Portland State, even though Portland State wasn't anywhere near the level that Texas Tech was. We all can admit that. But uh, Sacheray or Chasseray, I think it's Sacheray was the Portland State quarterback's name. That guy can move, and I'm pretty confident in saying that Tyler Shuck is not as quick as that guy is. So I think that was one element that Oregon was able to get kind of tested in or at least warmed up in a little bit in their week one blowout, the 81-7 to win over Portland State. But back to what you said, Jared, about Tyler Shuck being ready mentally for this one. When I was listening to Joey McGuire's press conference, I only caught a little bit of it, admittedly. He was talking about just figuring out the captains for this week and he went to Tyler and said, Hey, are you, you know, are you kind of down to be a captain for this game? 
are you up for it? Because he didn't want to put any extra stuff on his plate. And, and he said there was no hesitation when, when Chuck was responding and saying, oh, yeah, coach, you know, I'm here all for it. Um, you know, paraphrasing a little bit here, but he's not letting the, the whole storyline of the former, former Oregon quarterback deal get to his head. Um, but man, I, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I said that uh, he, he isn't excited heading into this one and just being able to, to show that he's the real deal as a quarterback, because I don't really know that he got to do that at Oregon. Um, a lot of people in the Oregon fan base have talked about it. I've talked about it for a while. Um, it doesn't seem like we really got to see what true quarterbacks look like when Mario Cristobal was at Oregon, uh, especially with, with Tyler Shuck when we had uh, had guys like Joe Moorhead um, as the offensive coordinator, and they were just so limited from an offensive standpoint. So Tyler Shuck's got to just be ready to to make a statement in this one. Yeah, I mean, that's been a storyline that I think a lot of people are going to focus on because it's it's uh, – it's right there. I mean, it's in your face. It's an attention grabber for sure. The, the former, former school matchup sort of deal. Um, I don't know how much I'm really buying into it. I think, I think Tyler is a motivated guy. I think he's got a lot of motivation going into the year. And I don't know if it's necessarily fixated on Oregon in particular. I think part of it is just, he's missed so much time over the last couple of years with injury. He injured both shoulders and he's just missed so many games because of it. Uh, he had a phenomenal end to the year last season. They won four games straight, um, obviously won that real big bowl game. They beat Oklahoma, and Chuck had a great game that game. Um, and I even after that game, he was mentioning in the press conference, he was like, people, and this isn't an exact quote, but like people in this own building were doubting me. And he still got like this chip on his shoulder that he's trying to prove himself, like you mentioned. Uh, he's trying to prove that he is a good quarterback, that he's going to be an even better quarterback. Um, when he goes pro someday, I think the motivation is more just fixated around trying to make a, a whole year statement sort of deal, trying to really put it all together because he hasn't really had that opportunity yet just because he's had some pretty bad luck with injuries. For sure. For sure. So we kind of get a, a little bit more of a feel for kind of where he is at heading into this one. So we don't want to give him all of the spotlight. Let's kind of zoom out now and take a, a broader look at the Texas Tech offense because he's got some good weapons to throw to uh, and kind of just distribute the ball to. I think the guy who really caught my eye in that week one win uh, over Wyoming was Duran Bradley. Um, he had himself a good game, eight catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. Miles Price also had a touchdown. So just give me a little bit of a rundown on uh, kind of some of your thoughts on what these weapons look like at the skill positions for Tyler Shuck. Yeah, so you mentioned Jaron Bradley. He's going to be – he's wide receiver one. He's going to be their biggest weapon out there out wide. Uh, preseason first team all Big 12 selection. Uh, he's a really long receiver, 6'5", but he's still got a decent amount of speed on him. He, he always kind of knows where to get open and where to be. Um, he's got good hands. He's going to, you know, go out there and make a catch. Uh, you mentioned miles price too. miles price is a bit of a smaller guy. He didn't really have the kind of year that he wanted to last year. Uh, they were really expecting him to step up into that wide receiver one wide wide receiver one role after, uh, Eric Azucama went to the NFL, but he didn't really have the kind of year he wanted to last year just because of some injuries, but he's been called twitchy and he's got that twitch. He knows how to make people miss. And he's fast. He's out. He gets out in space and he will he will burn you. And I think the biggest addition that we didn't really see a whole lot of him last week was uh, Dre McCray, a wide receiver. He transferred from Austin P. 
Um, I think there's still a lot of question marks around him. Everybody's still kind of waiting to see what he brings. Um, people have been maybe speculating that they're trying to kind of hold him back a little bit and maybe save him for like a, a bigger moment, like an Oregon game. Um, he is, I think he's one of, if not the fastest guy on the team, he's got unreal speed. Uh, they played against Alabama last year when he was at Austin P and he had a great game. Uh, all things considered, obviously it's Austin P versus Alabama, but still he had a great game. I think he had, man, I think it was like 11 catches or something like that. And that's on Alabama corners who are going to be in the NFL, you know, stuff like that. Uh, we haven't really seen a whole lot of him yet, but I think those three guys are probably going to be um, the biggest weapons out wide. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And, and I'm really excited to see those guys, Jarrett, because Dan Lanning and really kind of the feeling has been that the Ducks weren't tested uh, certainly defensively or specifically through the passing game. Um, and, and that's what they're going to be walking into when they face Texas Tech in this one is kind of a, an air raid style approach. And uh, their secondary for Oregon's just to kind of give the, the Oregon little side of it here, their secondary is kind of a work in progress. You lose Christian Gonzalez, your lockdown corner to the NFL. He uh, goes first round to the New England Patriots. And, and you have some returning pieces and Dante Manning who said – they're just looking at it as just another challenge this week. And Triquez Bridges has played some decent ball for Oregon. And um, then you have some new pieces out of the portal that are coming in. So I think they're really looking for who that alpha dog is going to be in that room. Not necessarily a Christian Gonzalez replacement, but who is someone that they can turn to and say, hey, go take away their number one option through the air. I think that's a question that we're hopefully going to get a little bit closer to answering in this one. So the secondary is definitely one to keep an eye on for the ducks. Evan Williams didn't really play last week. He had a heavy wrap on his right hand, probably going to be good to go this week. The Fresno state transfer who comes in to play some safety for the ducks. Uh, and then Tysheem Johnson was flying around coming over from old miss and that week one win really like what I saw from him. So that's kind of going to be one of the matchups that I really have my eye on in this game. But another one for me has to be, the Oregon defensive line against the Texas tech O-line um, because I think that that's obviously going to just go a long way in determining what kind of a day Tyler Shuck ultimately has. I mean, he threw the ball Jarrett 47 times in that week one game. So they're not afraid to let him rip, uh, let him rip it. So what do you think about that matchup? Can, can Texas tech slow down guys like 
Jordan Birch and Brandon Dorless, Popo Amavai. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's really going to be a big focus this Saturday is can Tech's offensive line kind of hold up against those guys, right? Um, they got a pretty good test already in Wyoming. Uh, I think Wyoming's defensive line was probably their biggest, their biggest, uh, their biggest strength heading into that game. I think a lot of people were looking at maybe that front seven as Wyoming's best, best portion of their entire team. And they got a pretty good chance to prove what they were about. I think you look at last year, a lot of the team's struggles really stemmed from the offensive line. You had a lot of injuries, um, guys just not really playing well. Um, it, was, it was a bit of a combination of things that really led to Tech's offensive line being mediocre. And that was a big focus that they had in the offseason. Um, they missed they missed out on a, on Cole Spencer, who was a transfer from Western Kentucky, uh, followed Kitley and their offensive line coach, Stephen Hamby, here. Um, they missed him. He was out all of last season. So he's back. Um, and they also brought in Rusty Stats at, at center. Um, he was also at Western Kentucky. He was there this past season, but he did also play with with Spencer and played for Kitley a couple years ago. They brought him in. They're really trying to win in the trenches, and that's something that they're going to stress, and that's something that they're going to try to emphasize um, with McGuire as as head coach. They really know that every, you know games are won down there, down there at the line of scrimmage. Um, I saw some stat. I don't know how true it is. Um, but Tyler Shuck had a clean pocket on 80% of his throws against Wyoming. So based on that number, you could maybe assume that they had a pretty good game. Um, those mistakes, I think, were a little bit on on Tyler. But, yeah, it's going to be a really big matchup. I think offensive line was their worst spot last season. Um, they really hit it home this offseason trying to improve that. Uh, we've been hearing it all offseason how improved they are, uh, hearing you know such, quotes such as like, it's night and day how improved that offensive line is. And I think we're they're really going to get their uh, their biggest test on Saturday for sure. Wyoming did get home against Tyler Shuck, bringing him down for three sacks in that season opener uh, and in week one. Um, and then the, the run game, just to kind of wrap up the Texas Tech offense a little bit here, uh, not a tremendous amount of success. 33 carries for 93 yards on the ground, just 2.8 yards per carry. That was certainly a strength of Oregon's defense a year ago. And you bring back a bunch of experience. And I think it's really going to be, Jared, probably the deepest offensive line that we've seen at Oregon since the DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead days um, of, of Oregon football. So um, I think that they definitely need to, to worry about the pass more so than the run Oregon does against Texas Tech. But uh, what do you say? Let's kind of uh, shift it a little bit. Let's talk about this Oregon offense a little bit and the Texas Tech defense. We're already almost at 30 minutes. It's just been flying by because I'm having an awesome time. Got almost 50 people here in the live chat. Appreciate you guys showing out. Uh, make sure you hit the like button if you haven't already. And uh, try to throw a mailbag question our way and subscribe to the channel. So Oregon's offense gets its first test against this Texas Tech defense. I think Bo Nix, I have all the confidence in the world that he's going to go ahead and uh, just have himself a heck of a game. This was our first look at the Oregon offense under Alik Terry in week one against Portland State. But what's the defensive storyline that you're kind of monitoring from the Texas Tech side? So the story that we've been kind of hearing all offseason was they're going to really try to win up front, similar to kind of how Oregon is. Um, that defensive line for Tech is going to be anchored by Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford, um, probably one of the best defensive tackle duos in the country. 
Um, they play a lot of snaps and they're really productive at it too. Um, they, they were both pretty high up on the team's total tackles last season. Um, they're both back for, I believe, their fifth and sixth years. Um, so they're really experienced. They've been starters for several years now. And that's those two are kind of the backbone of that defense. Um, and then when you go to like the edge rusher spots, well, the big story last year was Tyree Wilson, obviously. Um, you know, then he goes number seven to the Raiders. Now you're kind of looking at a guy like uh, Steve Linton is going to be stepping up into his spot or Miles Cole is another name that they've been really high on all offseason. And we've been hearing it the entire time. Um, those guys are freaks. They're really long, really athletic, uh, really good burst off the edge. And those are the two guys off the edge that I'd really be paying attention to the most. Um, I don't think they had as good of a game last week as they were anticipating. Um, they kind of dropped Linton into coverage a little bit. And, you know, they just really weren't getting as good of a push on the edge as they wanted to. But, I mean, it's going to start up front with Texas Tech. They have, you know, they have veterans up there. They have guys who can make plays. Um, and then the more recent storyline, like from this week, was uh, Jacob Rodriguez getting injured. Uh, you kind of mentioned that um, in our text back and forth. Um, that's going to be a big one. That's going to be something that I think needs to be looked out at. Um, Jacob Rodriguez was a, a veteran linebacker, and he's not going to be playing. He's going to be out for, I believe, four to six weeks. Um, got hurt in that Wyoming game. He caused the fumble, recovered it. Somebody landed on him and that hurt his foot. He's going to be out for the foreseeable future. So now they've got a guy, Ben Roberts, stepping in. He's a really young linebacker. Um, they have a guy playing next to him, Josiah Pierre, who I mentioned earlier. He had a really good game against Wyoming. But that's going to be something that I think a lot of us are paying attention to is Ben Roberts at middle linebacker. Um, really young guy. really haven't seen a whole lot of him, um, but that's who they're kind of – you know, expecting to fill in at that middle linebacker spot, which that's going to be a, a really big point of emphasis on Saturday for sure. Yeah. The, the, the experience on that Texas tech defense, I think is one of the biggest storylines that, that we kind of need to monitor here. It's not like they have a bunch of guys that haven't played football uh, before, you know, and they're not, they're unexperienced. So I think that's something that obviously uh, goes to, to their favor um, just having a, a capable group. I was watching some of those guys in the trenches and they got some big bodies. That's certainly going to be a challenge for Oregon in terms of just going from week one to week two. I think that this is going to be a team that's much more physically capable of hanging in there with Oregon. As far as their offensive line, Jackson Powers Johnson got the nod at center. You had Josh Connerly Jr. at left tackle, Johnny Cornelius, the Rhode Island transfer at right tackle. Then you had Marcus Harper, the second at left guard, and I want to say it was Steven Jones at right guard. So new look offensive line, did pretty well, and I think they're going to have a pretty good day against Texas Tech. Obviously, that's granted a much more challenging assignment for them, but I think that for them, it's really going to get started in the trenches with how they can assert themselves in the run game, and then that'll open up the rest of the offense. Um, so we started a little bit in the trenches, now we're going to work our way back a little bit. You mentioned that injury to Jacob Rodriguez. So that's going to be something to monitor how the, the Red Raiders can deal with that absence in week two. Now let's look at the receivers and the DBs because like I just said about Oregon's defensive line, this might be their deepest wide receiver room that they've had in quite a while. You got Troy Franklin, who's a Blitnikov Award watch list caliber guy, might go first round. I think he's probably going to break 1,000 yards this year. But behind him, you have so many guys, Tez Johnson, Treshawn Holden, Gary Bryant Jr. Those are the trio of transfers that the Ducks got. Then you have Chris Hudson and some other promising talent. So 
that's and you also have Terrence Ferguson, who is one of the better tight ends out west in the Pac-12. So, what's kind of the confidence in this secondary right now? Do you think they're going to be able to to kind of be effective and 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 cause some disruption in this passing game? Yeah, so it's like you mentioned. I mean, this Oregon receiver room is crazy stacked. Uh, you've got at least three or four different guys who would put up major numbers at you know any other school if they were on their own, right? Um, you look at the secondary and they're really long and they're really experienced. Uh, you've got, I believe three of the starters are all six, three, six, three plus. Um, the only one that isn't is a uh, daydream Taylor Demerson. He's five eleven, but that dude can fly around. Um, you've got the two corners, Rayshad Williams and Malik Dunlap, who are both, you know, entering their, their six seasons. And then another guy that I think was a really big addition that I think is going to be a big name to watch for is Braylon Lux. Uh, played out at Fresno State. They brought him in over the summer. He is even challenging for those starting spots. He actually got the starting nod against Wyoming. Um, that's a really big add. I think he he adds a lot as far as just speed. Um, he's a ball hawk. He actually had an interception against Wyoming, and it got turned. It got a it got negated, I guess, because of a hands to the face penalty there at the line of scrimmage. So he had a pick. He can really fly around. Uh, I think they really like what Braylon Lux adds to that defensive back room. And then another guy, too, he's kind of playing in the uh, a slot linebacker hybrid role. It's called the star is what Tim DeRuder calls it, is uh, C.J. Baskerville. He played uh, he played safety at San Diego State. They brought him in. He's 6'3", and, I mean, he's he looks a lot bigger than he, than he might be listed. Um, he flies around. He actually got a little banged up last week before the Wyoming game. They didn't really know how much he was going to play. He ended up playing almost every snap. Uh, he's he's a really good ball player. He can really fly around. So I think the biggest theme you're going to see with the Tech secondary is just their experience and their length. Um, I think they have some speed to kind of back it up a little bit, but those guys are really going to mainly be relying on how long they are to be trying making those plays out there for sure. All right, one more level of defense we're going to hit on, and then we'll get into some predictions and some mailbag, Jarrett. Let's talk about those backers for Tim DeRuder and the Texas Tech defense. It doesn't always match up with the running backs, but a lot of the times they do covering out of the backfield on passing plays and then coming down to stop the run. Oregon's got some of the deepest running, one of the deepest running back rooms in the entire country, headlined by Bucky Irving. Expect to see Noah Whittington back after kind of missing that game against Portland State. Jordan James had three touchdowns in his absence. So, how do you feel about these Texas Tech linebackers and what they bring to the table heading into this matchup? So going into this year, when you're kind of assessing the Texas Tech defense, you would look at it as like, you know, obviously the three levels of the of the of that side of the ball. You'd have, you know, the D-line, the linebackers, and then the secondary. Um, I think they felt really confident about where they were at in the defensive line just because of how experienced they are. Uh, same sort of story with the secondary. Where all of the questions and all of the concerns were, though, was I think in those interior linebackers. Uh, those two guys last year were their leading tacklers with uh, Krishan Merriweather and Kosai Eldridge. Um, they're gone. They've graduated. So now that was really where a lot of questions were and a lot of concern was going into this year. I mentioned Josiah Pierre quite a bit. He was actually playing outside linebacker last season, um, but his natural position was inside linebacker. That's what he played at Florida before he transferred over here to Tech. So they moved him back to inside. They had Jacob Rodriguez already playing inside last year. He flashed some really good things last year, uh, playing behind Merriweather and Eldridge. And so they were really looking to those two guys to really be that force there at those interior linebacker spots. 
Um, and, you know, now I mentioned the uh, Rodriguez injury earlier. So they've got Ben Roberts stepping up, a young guy. Um, don't really have a whole lot on him because we just haven't really seen a whole lot on him. Um, and that's kind of the theme with that linebacker group is you don't really know a whole lot about them. Uh, they think they have depth there. They think they have a lot of guys who are capable of playing the position. It's just as far as quality depth and how good that depth actually is. Um, they've got the numbers for sure. I think they could go about five or six deep there at those interior linebackers. It's just you don't really know how good those guys are going to be until you throw them into a situation like that, into a game situation. Um, they played a guy named Trent Lowe quite a bit the other night. Um, hadn't really seen a whole lot of him before that before that game. He he did okay. Um, I think another one would be uh, Wesley Smith. They call him the Midland Meatball because he's from Midland, like down the road here from Lubbock. Um, he's a really big guy. He's a really big linebacker. And then I think a name that you might potentially see on Saturday is Mike Dingle. Um, he is a track guy. He is He's from South Carolina. Wasn't really highly recruited, but they got him over here. Um, and he was like competing for the Big 12 track championships in the in this track season here uh, in the spring. He was a mid-year freshman, showed up, showed up in January, and he was already running some blazing times in track. Um, how that guy plays middle linebacker, I have really no idea. We haven't really seen a whole lot of him. He he has the speed of a defensive back, but he's playing there in the middle. Um, I think he's going to get some run. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on Saturday just because they're going to be just trying to see who can really fit that spot better now that Jacob Rodriguez won't be playing for the next few weeks. All right, some good stuff on the Texas Tech linebackers. Just kind of wrapping things up on the offensive side of the ball for Oregon. Mentioned a little bit of the tight ends. You got Terrence Ferguson, who is the leader of that room uh, as the most productive guy that the Ducks have on the roster at that position, was number two on the team in touchdowns a year ago. But Patrick Herbert is back. And uh, after finishing his first full season with the Ducks, guy who's battled a lot of injuries. Then you also saw Kenyon Sadiq, who almost had himself a touchdown in his true freshman debut with the Ducks last week. Casey Kelly didn't play. He looks like he should be back fully fully uh, good to go. And uh, Caden Ludwig, not sure what we'll see from him. But uh, feeling pretty good about Oregon's tight end room. Um, Going to kind of see how their role looks and expands this year as they get more comfortable with what they have. Uh, at that position. Let's switch now into our prediction mode, Jarrett. I'm seeing a, a lot of pretty favorable predictions uh, from, from my subscribers, obviously, as you would expect. Uh, we have uh, no quarter tie saying 45 to 20. We have Raymond saying uh, 51 to 20 uh, for Oregon, 45 to 17 Oregon, 52 to 17 Oregon. Um, you can kind of get the gist here. Uh, my My viewers and listeners are thinking that this one won't be that close. And I, I think as far as my prediction, I think that Oregon's going to be able to score at least 30 points in this one. Uh, I'm really confident in their offense and what they're going to be able to do. Um, but I'm trying to think of what the final score is that I want to go with in this one. I, I was thinking about going in the neighborhood of, of 38 to 24. Um, it's just a little bit hard because you can't take too much from that week one game. We know they have a strong offense. The defense is where the question marks kind of are. Um, so I think for, for this one, I'm going to go a little bit more on the conservative side. I'd be happy to be proven wrong and uh, see a blowout in Oregon's favor. But I'm going to go 38 to 20, 
seven. I'm going to go 38, 27. How are you feeling? So I'm actually going to keep kind of the Oregon favoring going, I guess. Um, I think it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people are really predicting right now. Um, as far as like tech on the road, um, they've really struggled on the road as far as like putting points up. So I think that's kind of where people are getting that uh, like tech isn't going to tech is not going to score a whole lot of points in this game. But when they play at home, man, they play so much better than they play when they're on the road. Um, I think you've got to give them a little bit of credit. They went seven and one at home last year. Uh, playing in the Jones is not an easy is not an easy task by any means. Um, I don't think people are going to give tech that kind of credit going into this week just because of how Wyoming went. Um, and I think looking at this game, I do think Oregon's going to win, but I don't think it's going to be as lopsided as, as some people are saying. I think if I had to give a score prediction, I'm thinking 42, 34, I think tech gets really close to covering the spread. Cause I think the spread, the last time I saw it was like six and a half or seven mm -hmm. around there. Um, I think they get really close to covering. I think they kind of push it down to the wire a little bit, but yeah, I just, there's a lot of question marks, especially with that linebacker spot. I just don't know if, if this defense can really handle all the weapons that Oregon has. And then I feel like we didn't really talk a whole lot about Bo Nix, but I mean, Bo Nix is phenomenal, man. I think we, we all know that already going into this game. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored tech scores. I think I read the stat before is like 18 or 20 points more per game when they're at home than when they're on the road. Um, I think, I think both sides are going to put up a lot of points. I just think it's going to come down to who can get more stops. And I just don't know if tech can get those one or two extra stops to, to get on the, uh, the winning side of this one. I think we're both on the same page as far as maybe a closer game than some of the people here in the chat are predicting. I think Texas tech's a quality opponent. You definitely can't uh, write off the home field advantage in this one. And really, Jared, the kind of thing that I was thinking about while you were talking, I was just doing a little bit of research and kind of looking at Oregon's schedule last year. I don't really know if you can say Oregon's been super tested on the road since Dan Lanning took the helm. Obviously, they had that game against Georgia, which was at a neutral site at Mercedes-Benz in Atlanta. They got the doors blown off of them. But aside from that, I mean, the, the, the toughest road environment that they played in was in Pullman. Uh, when they played the Washington State Cougars, and they only came away with a 44 to 41 win. So, and then you have Cal, that should be a toss up, like an, e or a, an easy game, a gimme game, excuse me. Um, and then they didn't really play that well in Corvallis when uh, things kind of the wheels fell off on the back end of last year. So, I think this could be Oregon's best road test, you could argue, since Dan Lanning took over. So, I think that it's good to get the, the predictions in there. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 